Hi, hello and welcome. This is the Zonecast where we interview emerging professionals, entrepreneurs and academics. And uh, today we have with us on the show uh, David Levy. He is the founder and CEO of Chocolate Tales. Uh, hi, David. How are you? Welcome to the show. Hi, Salman. Uh, how are you doing? I'm great. Thank you. Thanks. So. I'm, I'm, I'm good as well. And I'm uh, curious to learn more about yourself and your background and also about your venture. So uh, can you start by sharing your professional and personal background? Certainly. So, so we, um, so I, I'm from, um, I'm not from Canada originally. We, uh, I came here with my wife 10 years ago, uh, or 2009 to be accurate. Um, half Swedish, half, um, Australian. Um, I've been, uh, working in the food industry, um, since my early twenties. I'm 40 today. So the last 20 years I've been, um, working with food. Uh, mostly, uh, the first 10 years I've been working in, uh, restaurants, bars, um, you know, entertainment industries. And I, I got into chocolate 12 years ago and then uh, ventured into chocolate tales in Canada 10 years ago. Um, and I guess we can talk about that as we proceed. Uh, but essentially half of my career now is chocolate tales. So I've been, I've been growing and evolving with this business. Perfect. Uh, can, can you talk about uh, chocolate tales and what it is and how the idea came about? Certainly. So, so Chocolate Tales has, has changed throughout the years. Um, we started out as an event-based company, um, you know, using chocolate as a medium to entertain people through workshops, parties, and events. Um, we have been slowly uh, growing throughout the last 10 years, throughout the GTA. Um, about five years ago, we started leaning more into production. Um, so we've slowly ramped that up. Uh, we've got a 2,000 square foot location in Hamilton, and we've also got a cafe in Toronto that we work with, um, where we were offering all of our events um, up until COVID. Uh, we've been um, interacting with people uh, and creating about a thousand to 1,200 events a year. Uh, we've worked with um, approximately 200,000 people in the last 10 years, um, interacting with them, and then 20% of our business was before COVID. Uh, production-based, and now with COVID, uh, it is 95% of our business. So this is a big pivot that we've gone through just recently. Mm-hmm. And can you talk about the different kinds of uh, chocolates you sell? Of course. So uh, we are an experiential chocolate company. Uh, we try to create products that um, that create some sort of entertainment value um, and experience. Uh, so our, our tagline, experience taste, it's all about um, people interacting with our product and, and having some sort of uh, unique uh, experience. So if it's a uh, chocolate tasting and wine pairing kit or a online chocolate making workshop, uh, or if it's just uh, one of our awesome, you know, truffle boxes, we've got lots of different types of flavors and we, we try to keep, um, you know, true to both quality, but also uh, innovation, so trying to create flavors that you wouldn't typically expect, but um, are kind of um, self-evident once you do experience them. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. And um, where are you currently selling your products? Online? So that, that's a great question. Um, so we've, again, we've pivoted. Until now, most of our, event, most of our um, events were creating our sales, so it was very event-based. 
um, we would, you know, create um, different displays and different uh, types of interactions with people through our chocolates, which we made. Um, we also sold online. Now we sell a lot more online. Uh, we do free deliveries in the GTA. We're just about to launch free deliveries across central Ontario. Um, we also work with um, DoorDash and Uber. So we do late night treats. And then people uh, sitting at home can actually order our chocolates live on the spot. Uh, people generally know us now. We've got a very large base. Um, so they, um, you know, they order for their events, so to say, even though it's COVID, people are still having many events, even if it's online. And then we create those experiences for them. Uh-huh. So I'm curious, uh, when um, uh, your interest in chocolates or chocolate making began, was it with the chocolate tales or were you also in the chocolate business before you came to Canada? Tell us mm-hmm. uh, when your interest began in, in chocolates or chocolate making. So I've been working with chocolate for the last 13 years. Um, I got into chocolate. A good friend of mine came back from Belgium and he, um, he, be- he basically became a chocolatier. And I felt a calling. Um, I also wanted to um, switch into something that is more scalable uh, in terms of um, what I was doing. So working in the restaurant industry, I felt I, I've, I've, I kind of met the, um, I, I maximized my potential. And I wanted to get into something that is a new and also a little bit more family friendly. We have kids. So I wanted to get into something which won't leave me late night. Um, then I, I, um, I collaborated with my friend. I helped him build his business. And also um, was, you could say, his, his unofficial apprentice. So I, I, I basically became a chocolatier. I worked with him for a couple of years. Um, and then we decided to come to Canada, and we um, started building chocolatels even before we got here, knowing that bringing that experience um, is something that really any country would appreciate. We, we saw it in the U.K., uh, uh, a lot of companies uh, were popping up. This is back in 2009. Um, offering these chocolate making experiences. So, so I was kind of intrigued. And it also brought together all of my skills uh, when it came to entertainment, hospitality, and still remaining in the food industry. And with time, I developed a network of uh, colleagues uh, that helped me also improve myself as I went. And um, today I have a bunch of people that I'm in contact with, other chocolatiers that constantly um, you know, help me uh, come up with interesting ideas and, and innovation. And um, tell us about how you source your uh, raw material um, and and the fair trade practices uh, that you support. Sure, absolutely. So um, the one, uh, th- the main way uh, or or the main source is um, from Delicacies Valley. It's it's a company in Alberta that brings in Venezuelan uh, beans, cacao beans. Uh, Venezuela has a very uh, very awesome cacao industry. Uh, they use a lot of criollo, which is um, more the gourmet cacao. Most of the cacao in the world is produced from Forastero beans. So 70% of the chocolate in the world is Forastero. 50% of the chocolate is criollo. So we wanted to bring something that is a little bit higher end, uh, and then we also wanted to make sure that it is fair trade and organic if possible. And, and we hit, we hit the nail on the head, so to say, um, the cacao that, um, 
Delicacies Valley is bringing in is exactly that. It's, it's fair trade, it's organic, and it is Criollo, which was fantastic for us. So we produce right now with those beans all of our sugar-free and keto chocolates. Um, we also purchase uh, pre-made chocolates, which in the industry is called coverture. These are chocolates created for chocolatiers to make a variety of types of chocolate. Um, so um, all of those bigger companies now, Calibo, Cocoa Berry, they're all using these fair trade bases. It's not under the fair trade brand specifically, um, but they are incorporating fair trade. In the last 10 years, there's been a, a massive move to support the farmers. There was a, a big problem or, or a foreseeable problem where they saw that the younger generation wasn't interested in, in continuing uh, the, the family farms and they realized that they had to do something. So they, um, they actively um, invested in these communities. Um, one of the things uh, that they also started doing, Cocoa Berry, for example, specifically, is they leaned really hard on um, origin chocolates. So chocolates that come from specific areas, sometimes from the same farm, and then you can actually trace the whole, um, the whole chain, uh, which for us chocolatiers is fantastic. Um, they just launched, for example, uh, Calibo. They're, they're actually the same company, Cocoa Berry and Calibo. Um, but they launched um, um, a traditional chocolate. We call it 811. It's a dark chocolate, which they were using, and they just relaunched it again with uh, traceability. So you can scan the code online. You can see which farm it came from, which area it came from, the chain. And this is really important when it comes to fair trade. If you know the steps that the product took to reach you, um, you're able to actually create positive impact. And this is really important in the industry. Um, other industries have done this for a while, but the chocolate industry has taken a long time to get there. And, and there's a lot of reasons for it. Um, what, one, of the, one of the issues with the cacao industry is that it's very much relying on these family farms. So it's hard to trace and then there's a lot of hands that get involved. Um, it also is one of the um, one of the only agricultural, um, if you want to say, activities industries that are still using uh, just manpower. There's no machines involved here, so it does become a little bit tricky. Um, but it is possible, and this is where it's going. So down the line, um, chocolatiers will most likely, you know, 10 years from today, 15 years from today, won't have that issue where they have to even um, invest so much effort in making sure that it's fair trade um, because it'll, it'll just be the standard. So that, that's where things are going slowly. Mm-hmm. So since you started this uh, particular venture, uh, how have you been uh, promoting uh, your products, uh, your chocolates, and what kind of uh, marketing strategies have you employed? Okay, so um, when we started... Uh, we were working mostly with kids. We were solving the birthday party problem. So we started out using uh, parent directories. Uh, that way we also got into the families. Um, our target was uh, you know, 150K households uh, and up. And then we realized that these parents also either own companies or they're part of management of, of um, corpora- uh, corporations. So we marketed to them our corporate events, and then we slowly got into corporate that way. Um, we also um, offered Groupons for all of our um, kind of basic chocolate-making workshops, which allowed people to find us, interact with us. And we found that one of the, one of the main things that uh, – one of our main barriers um, were in that people 
couldn't really understand what the idea was. What is a chocolate workshop? What do you do in a chocolate workshop? So the best way to provide them um, with an idea of what it is, is is have their friends attend one. So those these Groupons were very helpful in the first few years to get people in there and then start talking about our workshops to their friends. Um, so that's how it started. Um, we did some, you know, traditional marketing, a little bit of radio, a little bit of papers, things like that, more locally in Hamilton. Um, but we do work in the GTA. And we eventually um, got a little bit into Facebook marketing, social media. We're still on our journey in, in perfecting our social media marketing, but that's 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 where we're going. Um, so moving forward, we'll most likely focus almost solely on that element. Um, and as I mentioned um, earlier, I, we did pivot uh, considerably. So now we're we're trying to target more niche than we used to, and the problems we're solving are a lot more specific. Uh, so we're going to have to find very specific clients to meet with our our branding and marketing efforts. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious um, about your experience with Groupon. Um, did you have a good ROI on your uh, Groupon efforts? And uh, if I'm not mistaken, Groupon takes a big chunk of your mm-hmm. uh, sales because you have to put like a big discount. So tell us about how, um, if you had a good financial return through uh, Groupon. That's a good question. Okay, so um, so not every year was the same. Uh, we were doing it for, for several years. Um, we started out uh, 2012, I believe. And in 2012, uh, Groupon would email out an, one email a day to, uh, featuring a specific business. And when they did that, our business skyrocketed. We had, um, we had extreme growth because people suddenly were, you know, exposed to our brand. There was a million people getting this email and we started getting a lot of bookings from that. Um, we limited the Groupon to a very specific workshop and then everything else in our business was a regular sale. So we would get clients uh, that were interested in a specific solution. Say, for example, um, a, a bridal shower. Uh, so we would advertise our classic workshop where you can attend an open workshop. And then you wanted to have a bridal shower. They would contact us and we would sell the package to them ourselves. So that we did really well in the first few years. Um, after a few years, a couple of years, they started using an algorithm. And the algorithm would now target specific clients based on the interests that they have. So we no longer got that type of exposure. And the value of Groupon started declining for us. Uh, but we still got some conversion from our actual workshops. So we would then sell to them the idea of what we do in the classes. And then they would, um, you know, depending on the type of problem we could solve for them, they would then contact us in a later date. But it was a very long um I guess a long period of time until we saw that conversion. Sometimes it would take three or four years. So we've been doing this for a long time, so we have that data. So I would have a client attend a workshop, and then suddenly they had a five-year-old child a few years later, and then they remembered the workshop fondly. They would contact us and book a birthday party. So we did get um, good exposure at the end, but it wasn't like the first years. Um, towards the... Um, Towards the end, when I say the end, COVID-19 kind of signals, uh, signals a new page. Uh, we, we felt that the value we're getting from Groupons was, was declining to the point where we were just about considering the option of, um, of you know, quitting that type of marketing. Mm-hmm. 
And where did you organize these uh, chocolate workshops? Do, do you have like a facility? We do. So in Hamilton, uh, we had a studio. Um, the studio was now has now been um, transformed into just production. And we opened up, we built a new COVID safe studio with, with plexiglass bubbles so that people can still attend during COVID. We also had a Toronto location, uh, a cafe that we partnered with that would close at 5 p.m. and we would take over in the evenings. Uh, currently, we're not able to accommodate our workshops there due to COVID, but we are planning to do it in the future again. Mm-hmm. So right now you have uh, two locations and then you also have an online store where you sell your chocolates. Correct. And our, and our online store is our source of revenue right now. So we, we do get some people into the classes. Um, but there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of fear around COVID. Even though we've taken all the precautions, people are still a little bit timid. Um, so we will be, uh, waiting this out until, uh, COVID gets resolved, until we start seeing our, our events side of the business become robust again. So right now we are using the time to invest our, you know, our mind and energy on creating, you know, an online store experience as well as uh, we're looking for more distribution options, more revenue tools, uh, selling in, in different organizations, maybe uh, small retail stores, possibly um, cafes, restaurants, etc. Uh-huh. And you're a client of uh, Innovation Golf. So how did they help you uh, with your business? That's 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 uh, that, that's uh, that really gets me excited, actually. You know, two years ago, um, we contacted them because we needed to we needed to rebrand. Um, and they really took us in and they helped us rebrand ourselves, target the market, um, with all of the things that we've been doing in a, in a way that's a lot more streamlined. So they really helped us elevate and we saw a 10% growth between the year, um, of, of meeting them for, con- for consulting until we implemented the changes and the year after we, we did see that 10% growth. So it definitely helped. Um, then when COVID hit, uh, we were just in the middle of um of a, of another of another round of consultation with them and they realized that we're um we're, we're in a bit of a jam because all of our all of our events disappeared in just one day so they did actually help us again uh repivot very quickly and get into product and and see how we can provide this value once again to the clients um of the GTA and it was phenomenal actually within within a couple of weeks we pivoted and we right away started seeing sales. So that was actually very impressive. We were very impressed with them. And they, they really helped both from a, um, logistic and, 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 um, and planning perspective, but also from, you know, the motivational side, because it was a big blow. So, um, it, it definitely helped having them on our, on our side. Perfect. And, uh, do you think Hamilton is a good place to, uh, to launch a business, um, how do you feel about uh, having a business in Hamilton? Well, um, so 10 years ago, I wasn't too excited about having a business in Hamilton. Uh, we were only targeting ha- uh, Toronto. And about five years ago, we realized that Hamilton has completely changed. And we realized that we do have a market here. Um, there was a big uh, renaissance here, uh, a lot of chefs coming from Toronto, a lot of uh, independents opening up, a very big movement here, and we really enjoyed that as well. So we 
didn't have a studio here in Hamilton until five years ago. And then we opened up our studio and very quickly it became a lot busier than Toronto. So we did really well here. And I do think that there's going to be a little bit of a lull with COVID. But that said, there's a lot more grassroots support here in Hamilton. People are very supportive. I feel like in Toronto you can get, um, you can have a really hard time standing out in the crowd. But here, um, you really, you really helped, you really pushed both the community and, and the city itself is helping small businesses because it is, it is a growing, um, so, so it's a growing opportunity in Hamilton. I feel like Toronto is always going to be busy, but in Toronto, you need to stand out in the crowd to be successful. Mm-hmm. That's that's interesting. You mentioned that how your perspective about uh, doing business in Hamilton changed uh, mm-hmm. over time. So that's pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, well, David, it has been nice speaking with you and learning about yourself and also your chocolate business. And uh, it's nice that you have uh, fair trade and organic products, um, raw materials that you use to make your products. So that's definitely nice to hear. And uh, thank you so much for taking the the time to be on the show and uh, talking about your venture. Thank you. Thanks a lot. It was a pleasure. I hope uh, hope you have a great uh, weekend and I uh, hope you take care. Absolutely. And uh, you want to share your website? Uh, how can people find you? Yeah, so chocolatetales.ca. And all of our products are online. It's an easy way to purchase chocolates. You click, choose a date, and it comes to your doorstep. Perfect. Uh, listeners, I hope you enjoyed this episode and you get a chance to learn from David and his uh, story. And uh, it's a great example of entrepreneurship and also about being an ethical uh, business. And thank you so much for listening to Zonecast and stay tuned for more episodes.